How's it going? Good. I've done like uh, maybe like eight or nine Zooms since quarantine started and it has not gotten easier. It's always confusing. Really? Yeah. I, every time I open it, I'm like, oh, how come I'm like the only participant? Whereas the, every every time it's like... Well, this one wasn't your fault because I waited to click join because you get a camera preview. So I just wanted to make sure all the, the angles were good. So I was testing it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, because I did one yesterday and it took a while and I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> every time and then so yeah but um yeah before other than that everything's good yeah everything's good everything's good <laughs> so uh before we begin uh, like how how are you doing with everything going on how's like your family how's all that everybody's okay thank god i mean it's it's uh it's been a very crazy few months for everyone it feels like the end of the world yeah. but uh i think it kind of sort of forces, at least for me, it's been forcing me to kind of look inward a little bit and um, readjust a little bit of, you know, my priorities and things that, that mean the most to me and kind of also reinstills a lot of that too, because, you know, a lot of the things that like family and you know, friends and really that's all you really need in life. And um, yeah, this, this quarantine thing has sort of proven that. So yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. been okay. How about you? <laughs> yeah, it's been okay. I think for everyone, or at least for me, it was like, okay, I've time to watch some movies, time to watch shows, catch up. But then you start to like realize, oh, I've watched a lot of shows and movies. Yeah, it's, me too. It's, it's been three or four months of this, yeah. But overall, happens to me too. Yeah, overall, I watched Mad Men in like too little time for the amount of seasons that there are. Like it wasn't healthy. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. But overall, though, from like the world standpoint, things are great, like family wise, and so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. So start. My name is Jabril Osman. Uh, Studio One is a platform that I created maybe seven months ago now. Uh, I kind of felt like I wanted to like start something myself after writing for Clash and the 405 and things like that because I felt like I'm from Toronto and I felt like Toronto didn't have like a platform that I wanted it to have. So thank you for being on it. Uh, Thanks for having me. Before we really start, can you just briefly introduce yourself and then I'll just get started. Sure. So I'm Nikki Yanofsky. I am a singer and a songwriter. Um, I live in Montreal. Cool. So first question, uh, talk to me what it was like growing up in uh, Montreal and when did you start really, I know you started really young in your, in your career, but when did music really become like a facet in your life? Well, to be honest, there's never been a time that I don't remember music being a part of my life. It's it's been since I could talk. And I know a lot of people say that, but it's, I'm not lying here. I don't think I could say full sentences. And here I was yeah. already singing this my album cover. But uh, <laughs> yeah, ever, as far back as I can remember, music has been there for me. Um, and it's been kind of a savior for me in so many ways because growing up in Montreal, you know, I, I had my family always by my side and my friends. I didn't really have many friends. Um, so music was kind of my friend growing up. You know, I had, I had, Ella Fitzgerald and Aretha Franklin and Stevie Wonder and you know all the greats that were really by my side through so many ups and downs and taught me um, taught me so much through their through their work and it inspired me to want to do that professionally. But ever since, honestly, even in pre kindergarten, I remember I remember it's one of my earliest memories saying yeah. I'm going to be a singer when I grow up. Someone asking me and saying I'm going to be a singer like it was always just what I felt like I was meant to do. Yeah, and with that, um, what I that age did you 
start like I know it's really really young I think you did Montreal the festival when you're 12 were you just writing little songs at that time making your own music like how is that experience well the songwriting came real like the songwriting on a serious level came after that you know before then I was really just I always say I was a copycat like I was just listening to my favorites and trying to emulate them as kids do um, when they get into music it's how you learn so yeah the Montreal Jazz Festival came because at that age, I was so, I was like itching to perform. All I wanted to do was get in front of an audience. And I would beg my parents and they were like, you're too young, you're too young, you know? They were always supportive, but not publicly like that yet, you know? Yeah. Which I think was probably wise. But the thing with me is I was a very like precocious little kid and like very in your face and like, I was persistent. So I just kept saying, no, no, like, let me perform, let me perform. I would make signs around my house. Like there'll be a concert in the basement at 7 p.m. Like be there, you know, like I would yeah. put on shows for my family. Um, so at a certain point, my parents kind of caved and they're like, all right, you can start performing, but it has to be for like charity shows and philanthropy and like raising money for different causes. If we're going to use your voice right now. So I thought that was a really good kind of value to instill and something I still keep with me to this day. Um, but that actually led to me opening up the Montreal Jazz Fest because I was doing a bunch of charity shows around, around my hometown and the founder of the festival heard me at one of them and asked if I would open up the whole festival. So at that point, it was just like the cat was out of the bag and that was it. You couldn't stop me. <laughs> um, but uh, the songwriting definitely came after. Before that point, I remember writing songs like in the fourth grade, third grade, but the lyrics were like the fairies on my purple pajamas. Like I wish they'd come true. You know, it was yeah. like a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, um, for a lot of artists that start really young or get their gears into things at even like teenage age for you being that this is 10 plus years now when you look back on these memories do you think of it as so long ago or do you think are they still kind of like fresh in your mind because it's still ongoing for you if you get what i'm saying it's interesting because it's a good question you know the first it, it definitely feels like a, a lifetime ago it feels like a long time but what's interesting about my life so far i guess is that um music is sort of a marker for me of like different phases in my life so i think a lot of people maybe my age they think back to when they were 12 13 14 and they they have like some memories here and there but there's nothing really like i remember days like i remember things so clearly just because of the events that i was a part of um so it's been really interesting to sort as a tool almost to remember like details of my life and see how far i've come um but yeah, it feels like it feels like so long ago. But I remember it also clearly. So I don't know. It's it's kind of a bit of both, you know. Yeah, and funny thing too, because um, I read that you're 26 and I'm 25. I remember when I was in, I think, in 2010. I remember finding out that you were picked for I believe, and knowing that our ages were so close. It's kind of like a thing in school. Like, oh, she's like our age. It's insane. So given that, I know with the new album that you released and with it, I believe I think turning 10 years now talk to me about how much well the question really was going to be about do you feel like with this new album this is kind of like a new chapter for you I guess in terms of yeah. I know you've uh, said that this feels like your most personal album where you felt more free in between that and I believe do you feel like this is like a new chapter for you I guess yeah, for sure. Well, I believe it was such an amazing experience and an amazing opportunity. And like, I'm so grateful for that because it really put me on the map, I think, especially in Canada, 
Um, before then, I was known for mostly just doing jazz standards and covers, um, which was great too. And I'm still kind of like, you know, in a box of, in some people's minds of like a jazz singer. Um, but I believe it was like a pop song, a huge pop anthem. And um, I think it kind of maybe decategorized me in some people's minds, which was good. But the thing with I believe is that I didn't write that song. So even though I'm so connected to it and so, like I said, so proud of just being chosen to even sing that and represent our country at that age, especially. Um, I, I mean, like from that standpoint, I felt connected to it, but like writing your own stuff is just different, you know? So I, I think from then it, it gave me like a good, I call it like a, a stepping stone to be able to write my own music and be heard. So after I believe came my album, Little Secret, um, where I co-wrote all the songs. And that was really the first time that I had done that. Um, my first album called Nikki, no, actually Nikki came and then Little Secret, but Nikki, I co-wrote only half the songs and the rest were covers. So Little Secret was my first album of like all original material. Um, but I feel like the reason why this feels like a new chapter with this album is because Little Secret, I was still younger. I wasn't really writing from a personal standpoint yet. Like I wasn't being, I wasn't really telling stories of my own life because I was so young. I barely had any life to really talk yeah. about yet. And um, on top of that, I felt a pressure to almost please the people who love me from jazz and please the people who love me from I believe and, you know, listen to me more on a pop standpoint. So the way I describe it is like, it's a pop jazzy album, but it's almost like I had one foot in both worlds. And when you do that, you just end up sort of in a split. And now I feel like with this record, I kind of forgot about all of that and just tapped into my, to what I want to say. Um, so it definitely feels like a new chapter. And I think it's also very cool that it came out in a new decade because it feels like a new era of my music. Yeah, for sure. And something that you touched upon too was this idea of being boxed in jazz singer and things like that with this new album and with kind of the new interview that we're in kind of with the idea of nothing is really a genre. Do you feel more at freedom now than you might have done in the past considering how much you may have been boxed in? Because now with genres, there's really no, it's really fluid and like you don't know what which is which. So do you feel like this has, this new world kind of helped you? Absolutely. I think that there's sort of a new wave of music now and also just the way that people access music now. Um, in the past, radio was really the only thing that mattered. Um, we didn't have things like Spotify or Apple Music like we do now. They were just starting out, but it wasn't as huge of a platform. And, and also just, you know, um, things like this, like, inter like, like interviews and the, it was more like the narrative was radio and that was it you had to if you wanted to be heard you needed to write something that was commercial enough to get you on the radio and that definitely boxed me in a little bit it, it did it made me feel like I couldn't be oh too jazzy and I couldn't be too like I couldn't be too bubblegum because I didn't want to lose the jazz fans you know yeah so it was kind of a complicated thing to juggle and I think that now with um with music today we are all our own DJs we get to pick whatever we want to listen to and you know, you could be so avant-garde and so odd and have like a niche market for that on Spotify and people like just resonate with it and love it. Um, and it definitely took the pressure off in just creating something that I wasn't afraid to go a little darker in my lyrics and, you know, like talk about some more serious subject matters that definitely won't get played on the radio. You know, it was, it, it's okay. I could just kind of be myself and I'm really enjoying also listening to other musicians come out of that new wave of, of music. Yeah. And circling back from in the beginning when you said 
when you're really young you kept yourself and music was really your escape and listening to all of these amazing artists really was like your world given that you've worked with so many incredible artists over the years talk to me about being in the music industry and learning from so many great people tell me about like stories or i guess um not stories just like um What's the word? I guess I'm like losing my. I would say just like um advice. That's that's the best way of putting it. Who's, okay. who's, who's well, giving you some like really good advice? I've gotten I've gotten really amazing opportunities to be able to work with some of the people that I was referring to even back like that I just listened to. You know, so it's strange because you go from feeling like you have no real friends and the only people that you relate to are people that you don't know that you listen to and then you actually get to meet those people so it's it's been a wild experience for me in that respect i actually never really thought of it like that until just now but it was um it's been amazing i mean i think when you meet these people you have to stay so humble and so open to learning and trying to soak up so much knowledge and and information as you possibly can because I don't think that, you know, when I worked with someone like Stevie Wonder or Herbie Hancock, they're not going to sit you down and be like, okay, here's what you got to do. Here's my advice to you. It's like, you just learn from watching yeah. and from, and from like kind of trying to pick up watching how Stevie interacted with his band and how kind and how sweet he was. And then, you know, Herbie being so like into the music and, and, and so warm. I mean, these people, I, I say they don't get to the top just because, I mean, of course, just because they're super talented and like, you know, one in a bajillion, there's nobody like either of them, yeah. but they, you, you can't get to that level being mean. And that's the common denominator that I've seen through all of like my favorites is that there's, they say, don't meet your heroes. But in my experience, they've all lived up to it. They've all been so sweet and so nice. And that's like the underlying thing that I've really taken. Not only that, but like Quincy Jones has literally said to me, you have to have, um, you know, grace with your success um and he's another prime example of that so yeah i mean there's been so much advice in terms of like practical advice that you could apply to music but also just life in general i think that it doesn't necessarily apply only to music i think that that is something that everybody should have in mind with anything that they do um so that's been like a very key piece of advice that's sort of stretched through every person i've worked with yeah for sure because um incredibly you got to be able to work with them because just to soak up all the information that they've had over the years and another person that you've worked with with the the late rod temperton for me like I've, i watch like a ton of like music documentaries and i really love music so i i guess you know. lot, yeah except i know like a lot of people might not know but I, I like know like the songwriters things like that and tell me about i guess your relationship with him and how special that must be considering how much of a fan you are of music I can only imagine what that must have been like. Yeah, honestly, this is this could be like a whole interview unto itself because I have so much to say about Rod. Like it really, he, yeah, it really could be. He was and is. I mean, he was like honestly, yes, my mentor and taught me so much about music and songwriting. But on top of that, we had so many countless conversations about anything under the sun. Like we talked about everything, and I and it sounds funny to say it, and maybe people will roll their eyes or not get it because he was he was like. As, uh, I don't know in his 60s you know and I was like yeah. I was like we just were best friends like it's crazy but I would speak to him like once or twice a week on the phone about anything and his wife Kathy always said that we had just a special bond that was ageless and it was just like we were meant to be friends you know we had a really special relationship and um he he 
Yeah, he was just an amazing guy and, and someone that outside of music I look to, I always ask myself, like, what would Rod do in any situation? Because as a person, he was so unaffected and cool and like didn't care at all for credit, didn't care at all for fame, nothing. All he did was just like sit in the studio all day until the day he died, you know, sit in a studio all day and just write and work. And he loved it so much. And um, and he came at it with such like passion and love that like I, I I don't know he was just the best guy ever I miss him every single day there's not really not a day that goes by where I don't think about him he like that's a picture of him you really probably can't see it but that's yeah. Rod right there no that's a, that's incredible because um just again going back to the people that you worked with I just imagine just the stories of what they've had and what they've seen over the years um but yeah, on, he told yeah. me some really crazy I've heard some fun stories yeah. from Rod he's but he's like yeah, he was just so like low key. I remember like riding even the the tube with him like in in London, you know. And I'm thinking, if every if anybody in this in like I would just look around and be like, every single person here knows something he's written, and no one knows who this guy is who's sitting next to me. Like he was so cool and understated. And that's I I kind of love that idea too, in the sense that like if you know, you know, and it kind of makes it like all the right special. But um, on with this new album we can talk about that forever uh, yeah. with, with this new album is it hard i guess to release it with uh covid not being able to perform i know you've done i think um a few instagram lives or you've connected with fans like that has it been yeah. hard to release an album without the idea of concerts or how, how have you been with that yeah it's been tough i mean i'm not gonna lie it's just i don't know that it's been harder it's just been different um and you know different doesn't necessarily mean worse it just means odd it just it's a different experience um but it's also a bit scarier because i say that like performing live i get to see how people are reacting to it you know i'm i'm, I'm it's like a conversation in a way like i sing and i watch people emote and feel whatever i'm feeling um and you know that you're not being misconstrued and that like the way that you're trying to come across is coming across when you release an album kind of into the abyss and anybody can listen to it and you don't get to see their reactions you don't get to hear how they're perceiving it or if they're you know misunderstanding something of course music is meant to be understood however you feel yeah but um it's a little bit scarier it is because i don't have that like instant feedback it's just like i released it and then i wait for people to like say if they like it or not you know yeah yeah. When it comes to releasing uh, in general, uh, I've asked artists a lot of times, when you release a record, do you tend to move on really quickly and start recording and releasing? Or how much time do you give yourself to, I guess, appreciate all the hard work that you've put into an album? Like with this album, how have you, have you been just soaking it in? It's kind of weird because I've been finished with this album for like a good year or like a little less than a year. Um, but like the mixing finished maybe like four months ago. So from the, that time to when I released the album, I barely listened to it. Like I listened to all the final mixes and everything. And then I take a breather and I like come, I do something else. I've been writing, I've been, you know, even sometimes if I feel like blocked in, in a writing capacity, I'll, I'll like, I love to draw. So I do like other creative things that just kind of keep me from feeling too antsy about like releasing the record. And then once it's out, I listen to it again and I revisit and I'm like, wow, like I can really appreciate the body of work once it's out and on a platform and I see the order of the songs and I can just access them easily instead of like going into my my mail on my phone and like clicking the, the mixes and the links, you know, it's just like yeah. all there. So it's interesting, like that four month period is a very 
I don't know, at the beginning you're like excited and then you calm down and then it comes out and it's like all the excitement gets stirred up again. Yeah. So right now I'm still sort of on that high, but I, I'm sure in like a week I'll be writing again. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Has it been easy or hard writing uh, at home? Is, is the studio kind of the place where you get your inspiration or when it comes to songwriting, what's like, your comfort? Has it been easy or hard? It's been a little bit of both. I mean, the thing that's tricky about um, about this is that you're limited to writing with just yourself. And I love doing that because I think that when you write alone, you can access a part of you that you wouldn't be comfortable, you know, accessing in front of another person when you're co-writing. So, you know, I think you're able to go more, like just a bit deeper, even the songs on my album, um, my song Black Sheep and the song Owe It All To You, those are two that I wrote without anyone. I just wrote those songs. And I think those are two of the most personal songs on the record because of that. So when I write now, it's like, I don't know, it can be a little bit daunting, but I try and like kind of tap into that and try and understand why it is and then write a song about that. So it's like, you're sort of like, yeah, you're forced to kind of reflect a little bit more than when you co-write. But then when you co-write, you bounce ideas off each other and like you, you come up with something completely new and creative that only you, the only special combination of you and that other person can come up with. So I don't know, I really miss co-writing at this point. I really miss being in the studio. It's been too long with COVID, yeah. um, but, but I've been just trying to stay busy and like start kind of mapping out other ideas that I want to bring to a co-writer. Um, sometimes I do that too. Like, oh, oh, this would be good to work on with so-and-so. And like, I, you know, I, I shelf it. And then there's songs that I'm just doing alone. Um, but it's been, it was tough. At the beginning, it was hard to feel inspired because I mean, we were in a pandemic and I was very scared like everybody else. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, you've had an eagerness of going on stage and performing. When it comes to writing your own songs, and there's the vulnerability to it. Do you feel a release when you release a record that's so personal to you? How did it feel getting comfortable with that idea of writing your own song and releasing these feelings? Is there a vulnerability for that for you or how does, how is, yeah. Scared. It's the scare. It's the most nervous I've ever been releasing anything because it's the most personal I've ever been. It's tough. You're putting yourself out there to a bunch of strangers. Um, it's just, it's a very strange feeling. I can't even, equated to anything else because it's it's unlike anything else um it's it's very therapeutic i mean writing the actual songs were very therapeutic for me um and i felt like things that i was worried about or things like fears that i had i put them into a song and it's almost like i was able to release them in that way and now that it's finally out it's it stirs up a little bit of those feelings again but it's it's like you have to hold on to why you're releasing it and like hopefully that that same release that you felt when you wrote the songs can pro can provide that for someone else kind of you know like to listen to it and be like oh yeah okay that makes me feel better too yeah so you you sort of do it for the greater good but like tom tom york i'm a big radiohead fan and tom york always says that like the songs that he wants to release the least because they're the most personal are usually his best ones and the ones that like people connect with the most so i think it's almost like your duty as a writer to um, to share that, like if you can communicate something that nobody else can for themselves and articulate a feeling that, that maybe not everybody has the ability to articulate, you sort of have to. So that's sort of where I'm at with it. And now that I've started it, I keep saying it's like the lid, the lid is off. Like I'm just writing only personal stuff now that's yeah. it, you know? I, yeah, I think, I think as uh, fans of music, I think we tend to gravitate towards artists that are vulnerable and honest because then we can relate to them so it's always like the really personal songs but then on the flip side we forget that the artist is like talking about their own lives we forget 
But uh, on that on that final note, usually with these interviews, I would ask like an artist at the end, like, how do you see the rest of the year going with shows? You all these things, but <laughs> because that is, I've changed the the tone in the last question for you personally. Considering how you started so young in your career, what's something that you've learned over the course of your career that you would have wished you would have known earlier? And again, like on that final note, like what's something somebody told you as an artist that you've learned as well? So on the, for the first question, something that I've learned that I wish I knew earlier is that you can't please everybody. Um, and you're the one who has to live your own life. So as long as you're satisfied um, and you're pleasing kind of that side to yourself, then I think that that's really all that matters. Um, there's always gonna be someone you know, writing a letter and God only knows where that they don't approve or whatever. You can't, you yeah. can't please them all. And, but as long as you're happy with yourself, that's really the bottom line. And um, the, the thing that I learned from the, a piece of advice that, that really helped me also with that is actually probably from Quincy. He always taught me to decategorize music. He always told me that, you know, you to that, it kind of goes with that. You can't please everybody. So just like, make something that you're proud of. Um, and he's a perfect example of that. He started out in jazz. He, you know, he produced everyone from Dinah Washington to Frank Sinatra to Ella Fitzgerald, did arrangements for Ray Charles, like for everybody. Yeah. And then completely shifted gears in the 80s and uh, 70s even and started doing more like funk and R&B and soul and, you know, Michael Jackson and all those greats. Yeah. And um, yeah, I kind of use that as an example of just like, letting the music guide you and not the outside voices of what people think you should be doing. For sure. Um, yeah, on that note, again, thank you so much for being on Studio One. Um, honestly, I feel like this interview could have been so much longer just because of how yeah. many stories you have, but I knew I had to like condense it. But uh, definitely the, the next time we do an interview, we'll touch on a lot more of that. Um, again, great. thanks so much. Uh, thank you. Have a great rest of your day. So Thank much. you. Also, I really like the paint in your room. It's very happy. You're right. That's like my sister told me it's like a nice. Yeah, hilarious. It's very like it's a good vibe. It's just sunny on my screen, you know? Yeah. You have like the perfect musical background. <laughs> yeah, I set it up. I don't even play guitar, but it looks cool. Right? Yeah, that's great. But yeah, um, can't wait to see you live too. I can't when everything gets back and stuff like that. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, for sure. Thank you very much. I'll take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. Studio One.